from this New Testament book, James, first chapter, looking at verses 5 to 8. Five through. I'll be reading from the New Living uh, Translation. The Word of God says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Oh, glory be to God for his words. You may be seated as you take your seat. If you can help me announce this, Todd, change it up a little bit. I have faith. Say, someone say faith. faith. Wisdom. Wisdom. Trials. Trials. God delivers. God delivers. Amen. Faith. Wisdom, trials, God delivers. Looking at this text, continuing in our study, looking at James, it's very clear that he has a transition here from when he first does his greeting, his salutation, letting know who's writing this letter and how he's praying for them. Then he tells them how diverse trials will come. Remember, diverse trials mean uh, they are various trials. They're tailor-made. That is not your trial and my trial, not the same, but we will all will face diverse trials. And when they come, how we need to trust in God and depend on him and know that he's only trying our faith which is building up our endurance and through our endurance we will go stronger and be better and fully developed perfected or complete or mature in the Lord but then it goes on to say why you might be going through these trials you might be wondering what's going on so if you lack wisdom what can you do ask him oh glory be to God I'm so glad that it's so clear there in the text that God wants us to ask him when we need some help it's a good thing here that he says here that if any of you lack wisdom, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, our loving God, our great God, which means here that when he will give without reproach means he will lavishly and abundantly bless us with what we ask. Ooh, isn't that good news? So we see here that it's telling us that we need to ask our God. First thing, I want to say it this way, that we need to seek God in trials. That when we're going through our trials, when we're going through our tests, when we're going through our issues, we need to seek God so he can bring us through. Because it's showing us here that oftentimes that we know it is true that we are in troubles, we are in mess because we don't know why. And since we don't know why, we might as well go to the one who knows why and say, Lord, help me. What is going on? It says, if you lack wisdom, look, our God who is all wise, all powerful, great and mighty, he will give us wisdom and show us how to make it through. Seek his wisdom because God gives generously. He blesses us who come to him in faith. I want to highlight, though, he says he blesses those who come to him in faith. God will not hold back from his children. So why do we see God? Look what this says here. Because you see how he deals with the faithful, faithful believer. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you asking. But when you ask, be sure that your faith is in who? 
in God, New Living Translation says, in God alone. What I want to point out to us is that when we see God in trial, we are seeking a faithful, benevolent, loving God. If you know that he's a benevolent, loving, and he's holy, and he's true to his character, then you know that when you come to him, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to be worried about, nothing to be concerned about, because you know he's going to look out after you. When you know somebody loves you, you know they're going to look after you. Am I right about it? And so knowing that God is in control, we know just as a child comes running to their parent when they're scared, believing that their parent is able to protect them, so much so us when we're going through diverse trials and tribulations, we can go to our God who's able to protect us. But we go to him not believing he's unable. We go believing that he is able because that means we are going to him in faith. Am I talking to somebody here on this morning? Because we know that he is a sovereign God. And since he is a sovereign God, when I go to him, I go to him with the mentality of understanding that my God is able to do exceedingly and above whatever I can ask, think, or even imagine. Am I helping somebody out here on this morning? That when you go to our God in troubles and trials and tribulations, he is able to make a difference. So think about how it's comforting to know that God is with us. How it's comforting to know that God is able to provide for us. How comforting it is to know that he is able, able to give us peace in the middle of a storm. But those who seek him and doubt him, they don't have that same assurance. Because when you doubt him, they believe, this is what's shown. They're not believing God to be God. Y'all quiet on me. Because if God is faithful, then I know he's able to do what I ask. But if I doubt that he's God, then I doubt he's able mm, to do what I ask. So I'm going to pray, Lord, I think it's possible that you can heal me. So go ahead. That sounds like faith. That sounds like they are sure that God is able to do exceedingly above and beyond what we ask or think. Does that sound that they believe that he is your, that he is your over Ralph, he is our healer? Does that sound like it? No, it does not sound like it. sounds like somebody has some doubt or has some issues. But when we come to him, Hebrews says this, that we, that, that we must earnestly seek after him, that believe that who he is. You know, we cannot doubt in God. We have to believe in him. So when you believe in him, look what happens. You know you're going through some troubles. You know you're going through some tests. But you also know that there's our God that holds tomorrow in his hands. And since he holds tomorrow in his hands and he knows what's best for me, I can just sit back and relax and know everything is going to be all right. But when we seek God in trial, we need to seek him and not doubt him. We need to ask in faith without doubt. Jesus, when he was on, on, the, on the boat with them and they were drowning, he asked them, why did you not have faith? Why did you doubt? He says, I, I was here, but you have had little faith. You doubted me. We, in the process, check this out, that in the process of our lives, the enemy is going to do all that he can to get us to doubt God. Because once we doubt God, we no longer believe him to be God. Let me help you understand this. If I can get you to believe that he did not create the heavens and the earth, then you're no longer saying he's God. If I can get you to believe that 
evolution brought man and woman into and that he did not form them out of the dust, I got to believe that he is not God. You see, that's what the world is trying to bring doubts into what they can understand, not understanding that God is beyond your understanding. Just because you can't figure it out don't mean that God is not God. That, that's, that proves that he's God. Because he is greater. He is bigger. He is wiser. So asking the faith is this principle of showing us how we need to approach God in our prayers. Because Jesus said that he already knows what you're in need of when you come to him. He just wants you to talk about it. And so when he knows us, then he knows what we need. We can go to him and find out that he is faithful to his promises. Anybody here glad that God's faithful to his promises? Because Numbers 23, 19 says it this way. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said and he will not. Has he said it and he will not do it? Or has he spoken and he will not make it good? These are rhetorical questions saying, letting you know that has not God said it and it came forth? Need some evidence? Go back to Genesis. Let there be light. And then there was light. We see clearly that when God speaks, things happen. Even, even when we read about the, in the valley of the dry bones, he asked them, can these bones leave? Says God, only you know. Because he understood it's not what I do, but what you say is going to bring life into the circumstances, into the situation. Here, let me help somebody out to understand that if God is still talking, then everything's going to be all right because he's God. And since he is still talking, since he's still moving and he's providential in our lives, working things out for the good of love and called according to his purpose, I so enough know without a shadow of a doubt I can go to him trusting him to deliver on his promise. Paul wrote in Corinthians, in every promise there's a yes and there's an amen, showing us that God is able to give us the promises that he's just, he has already put into destination and place back in the Garden of Eden from the seed of Abraham. He says, the seed of the woman. Then he goes on saying, the seed of the Abraham called us out to be saved. Showing us this, that if you call on Jesus, that's his promise, right? If you call the name of Jesus, all shall be saved. Jesus said, there's another promise to him that if you go to my father, ask anything according to his will, he'll give it to you. These are the promises. He says, I will give you peace. My peace I will give to you. These are his promises. He says, I've come to give you life and life what? More abundant. These are his promises that they who confess Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, they shall have eternal life. These are his promises. So when we have these promises in God, we can go to him trusting him to do what he's able to do. But here's the problem. That, that we might shake, we might waver, we might have issues. But I want to say this, that yes, we may shake, we may waver, but we should not be like the waves. The waves are not stable. It says, do not be like the waves that is blow. Every time the wind blows, they go in that direction. We should be like a tree that's firmly rooted in the ground. And though a storm may come, our limbs may sway. Our leaves may rattle, but the tree has not moved. Let me say it again. I've got a few people with me. A tree that is firmly granted in the ground, roots firm and ground. Storms may come. The tree may sway. The leaves may rattle, but the tree has not moved. What I'm trying to say here that when we have our faith in God, storms may come and they may push us, they may sway us, but they can't move us, nor can they break us because we're standing on the rock as our solid foundation. 
That's why Jesus gave that story about how when you have the word, you're like that man that builds on the rock, not like the man that builds on the sand. That when winds and trials came, it blew, it fell down. But the one that was on the rock, it was able to stand. We too need to realize that, God, I'm able to stand. I'm trusting you. I'm looking to you for wisdom. I'm looking to you for insight that, Lord, I'm going through trials. I'm going through some issues in my life. I don't know why I'm going through them, but, Lord, I know that you know what's best for me. So, Lord, let me sit back and trust you and allow you to work it out. I got another bad report from the doctor, but, God, you're going to work it out. I got another check that bounced, but, God, you're going to work it out. I got another child that's on my number, but, God, you're going to work it out. These are the circumstances that we realize that I have no control, but he he has all control. But the doubter is doomed. Y'all see that in the text? He should not expect anything from the Lord. Y'all see that? That the doubter, the double-minded person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Why is that? Because they are not walking by faith. They're walking by sight. They are trying to trust and believe in God. Look what happens. This, these doubters, they are having negative thoughts about the capabilities and the power of God. And you understand that when you have negative thoughts, it limits you from having a positive outcome. You, you say, how, how does that happen? How does that happen? I'm not talking about naming and claiming and speaking into existence. I'm just pointing out how your body works. Now, when you think negatively, it's going to, ha- it's going to happen. You get up, you get up, you get up to go do something and you don't think it's going to work. Watch how it's not going to work. And the reason why it's not going to work because you didn't put your best effort forward because you already had your mind made up. It wasn't going to work. So once things started going bad, that's when you gave up. But the other person that woke up that morning says, I'm going to work until I get done. Things started going bad, but they didn't give up. And by the end of the day, the job was done. And they were satisfied because they pressed through. It was a mind mentality. And so when you, when you realize that my God is able, there's no need for me to doubt and have fear of things not working out. Because I believe that he's going to work it out in my favor. How do I know that? Because I know that God works all things for the good of those who love him in a call according to his purpose. And I say for my favor, because I want you to know, he, he says he knows what's best for us. And so when I see the doubter is doomed and in issues of troubles and peril, I realize I can't be like them because I'm not hopeless. Because my hope is built on nothing less. But Jesus Christ and his righteousness. We see that in Isaiah, right? They that wait upon the Lord, or they that hope upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. So do not be double-minded. Do not be trying to trust the world and trust God. You got to stand on God alone. Because when you stand on God alone, you can believe things that can happen. For example, for example, another way people try to doubt God and have double-minded, they will say that scientifically it's possible that they crossed the Red Sea because they went at the shallow end. Okay. How did their army get buried in the shallow end there? People will give you all kinds of things to say how scientifically I can prove this as science can limit God. Y'all quiet on me. You know, he set the sun up. Not science, set the sun up. He made a greater light and a lesser light and called it day and night. 
Nowhere in there did he say he made a scientific formula. No, he made it. He spoke it into existence. He is above science. Science does not limit our sovereign, all-powerful God. If science limit God, many of us would still be walking around here with some cancer. Because science says you had cancer, but you went back and said, I can't find it. Somebody better know some God is able to remove things in our lives because he's not limited to what science has. And so when we see that our God is above and beyond, that's why when we go to these places, we don't have to go with doubt. We don't have to go with fear, but we go with expecting our God to do something great because we serve a great God. So don't be double-minded. Don't be hopeless because you have your faith more on this world than on him. But go there trusting him, not open to lies and deceptions of the enemy, knowing that our God is able to do exceedingly above and beyond what we can ask or think or even imagine. Because think of what happens when we come to the Lord in faith. We come expecting to receive from the Lord. Not the doubter, but we come expecting to receive from the Lord. And what I like about that, I learned this as, as a child, and many of you learned this as a child. You came expecting receiving from your mother and your father. You came and said, can I have something? You came with the expectation of getting something. When they said no, you want to find out why not. Can I have a cookie? No, I can have a cookie. Are they gone? You know, you try to figure out there must be a logical solution, right? It's not because you just don't want to give me a cookie. They must be gone. So are they gone? You know, you want to find out because I believe that you're going to give me your child what your child desires. And sometimes they say, no, you're about to eat dinner. Okay, well, I'm about to get something. All right. Can I have somebody else? That's how God is for us. You come forward with what you want, but God says, I got something greater. That cookie might have satisfied you, but you're going to be hungry later on. But once I fix that meal for you to have some libation, something to drink with, and then you might get a cookie after that's going to be on top of you. You'll be ready to go to sleep. You see, when we see that our God, we can go to him expecting, and God said, I already got it worked out, brother. I got, I got it all set out, sister. You're going to be taken care. I know what you asked for, but I prepared something greater. Because his ways are not our way. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so we come expecting, knowing he's able to deliver and supply for our children. And, and look for, I'm sorry, for his children. And then look at this, this comfort that comes in knowing that God is able to do this. We have peace. We have peace. Why do we have peace? Because we don't have anything to worry about. Again, Jesus was on the boat with them, and they were, they were scared. They did not have peace. Jesus was peacefully asleep in the back of the boat. Waves is coming into the boat, but Jesus knocked out on a pillow in the back of the boat, just chilling. Knowing about, I'm about to go to the other side. Y'all worried about how we're going to make it to the other side. I know we're going to the other side. I told us, let us go to the other side. I got work to do. And then they wake him out and say, why is you doubt? Have you no faith? Peace be still. I'm going back to sleep. God gives us peace. Because in the middle of our trials, what? We can go to him and ask him in faith, knowing that he's able to deliver what we're asking. Another example, we find that when Jesus taught us about the persistent widow in Luke 18 chapter, where we talk about push, pray until something happens. He, she went to a king who was unjust, did not fear God, and trusted the king to deliver her promise. God, Jesus gave the principle, how much more will your loving father do for you? Her earnestly come and seek him. So here's the challenge for us. That as we are earnestly seeking him, we must believe. We must believe that he is God and that he is God alone. 
and that when we're seeking him, knowing that he's able to provide for us better than we could ever provide for ourselves, that he knows how to answer us better than the desired answer that we want to receive, that he knows what we do need better than what we think we need. And knowing this, that his wisdom is above and beyond and great, and we truly believe that, then we can sit back and relax and say, Lord, I'll take what you're going to give me because what you're going to give me is going to be generous and love. Because you saw that, say he'll give generously. And when we come to him seeking his wisdom, look how we walk better, we talk better, we live better because of his wisdom and his insight that's come into our lives. Ecclesiastes, he said, to sum it all up, the beginning of all things is to fear God. And so wisdom will show us how to fear and be all of him, knowing that if he's sovereign and if he is Lord all by himself, then I put everything in his hand. I said everything. Everything in his hand. The doubter don't put everything in his hand because the doubter thinks I can control some things, but yet not understanding that God can speak and your whole life will change. Jesus said that again about the man with the barns. He had a bigger barn, so he built his barns, said, I'm doing good. I'm going to sit back and relax. God said, this today, fool, this day you die. Then what's going to happen to all your stuff? I want to let you know that you could try to depend on yourself. Well, wait till God speaks. And you're going to find out it wasn't all that you thought it was. But when you trust him and say, Lord, I believe that you're able to change things in my circumstances and give me wisdom and give me insight, and that I'm trusting you, then I realize that I am getting stronger. So if anyone here lacks wisdom, just ask God. He won't rebuke you. He won't curse you. He won't push you away. But no, he will instead bless you generously. Don't be like the others who have double-minded that try to trust God and trust the earth. Try to trust horoscopes and, and tarot cards and whatever else is going on, somebody's fortune. They want to play these number games saying, well, if I do this, this is going to work out. All that stuff won't work out. God is in control of everything. Do y'all believe that? So if you know he's in control of everything, then why are you trying to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow when God's going to work it out in your faith? So there's nothing to worry about. If he's going to work it out for me, why do I got to worry about it? So therefore, I will walk by faith, trusting in him and leaning on him and depending on him because he is not wavering, he is not unstable, but he is solid, he is my rock, and he is my redeemer, and that's why on Christ I stand, and I stand on his word, I stand on his promise, I stand in his presence, in awe of him, and trusting in him. Everybody, every eyes closed, let's turn to him.